and welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the End Defender community. We are back, and I am Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Carl. Hello! I, we're on time. Yay! We're on time. Yay! We need, like, a... If I was not so lazy when I was editing these, I would put in, like, a little, like applause sound effect or something here <laughs> um, what we need is one of those like it's been zero podcasts since we were late with a podcast i think it's always going to be like in the zero to one range which is <laughs> you know not the worst thing in the world no uh how how are y'all sunburned Sunburn. tired yeah that too i um we went out because we live on the coast here um, in Virginia Beach, which, as you may guess, there's a beach. There's lots of water around. Um, we went out with um, a friend's friend and his family for friend's birthday on their boat yesterday. Ooh. So I was out on the water for like five hours and I'm so mad. It was it was lovely, by the way. It was lovely. You get on the water. It was like hot as balls. Then you get on the water and you get moving and it's like, ooh, this cool breeze. Ooh, the yeah. lovely temperate temperature from being on a body of water. Ooh, this is so nice. Um, and I put on so much fucking sunscreen. And I was, <laughs> we were out there for like five hours. And I reapplied sunscreen <laughs> so many times that I like apologized. I was like, look, I'm using all your sunscreen. My bad. Um, and I still got sun- sunburned. <laughs> so <laughs> no. It's not it's not that bad. Um like it's mostly just like the back of my neck which I put sunscreen on. By the way, I didn't miss that part. And like my face is a little burned too. And yeah, I also well, put sunscreen on my face. Maybe so, the sunscreen was like old and so not very effective or something. I don't know. That doesn't seem likely since they're like on the boat all the freaking time. Um like the the boat is a big part of their <laughs> like their family's like whole social uh basically their entire like social group mm. just because they're they're boat people and all their all of his fa- like parents friends are boat people as well um, it's it's an interesting culture like little subculture yeah of just right. just old boomers with boats um, but sure, yeah it was not? it was nice until until we got back to land and I was like really tired and hot and I could tell I was sunburned. So oh, that's the worst that's feeling where you're like, oh I know this is gonna be a sunburn tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. It's alright though. Yeah. I will survive. I've been sunburned before and I will get sunburned again. Yep. This is just my lot in life. I yeah. I have been incredibly stressed out lately uh because as we may have mentioned at the end of the time last time i am preparing for an international trip to go visit my grandmother <clears throat> so there's a lot of last minute things that need to be done like realizing mm-hmm. that some of the uh some of the airlines we're traveling with do not automatically allow you to have like a rolly bag in the cabin that's not free and so we have to like go through and pay for a bunch of extra luggage that we didn't realize, and it's quite oh. expensive. Um, a lot of them also make you pay to choose seats, which is annoying. Um, even if you're not like getting any upgrades or anything, you just you just have to pay if you want to choose your seat. 
Um, Man, that and, sucks. And then on top of all of that, mysteriously, uh, like, when was it? Like, Thursday night? Or, no, it had to have been, like, Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, our bed just broke, randomly. <laughs> we were just, like, we just turned off the lights <laughs> and we were, you know, sort of just drifting off and the whole thing like collapsed underneath us oh no um and what had happened was we have this ikea bed and it has a like a big metal strut down the center that just like peeled open like the metal just like sheared in like a big crack down the side and like collapsed what uh, yeah Sounds insane. i don't even know it is insane. I can show you a picture of it, uh, which I took with my phone, where I'm like, how does, how is that, like, this is a mostly wooden bed. How is the metal strut the part that failed? Yeah, no um, kidding. That's wild. But, uh, I mean, I was able to, we were able to, yesterday, like, drive down to a Ikea and uh, get a replacement part for only, like, 15 bucks. So, like, it, it was it was pretty cheap. It was more that it was a pain in the ass to drive all the way down to Renton, which is a decent distance yeah. away. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we went in, we got a new strut, and so now it's replaced. And, I mean, to be fair, that the beam did last, like, eight years. So, hopefully, you know, we get another eight years out of this one. Um, but we've, in the meanwhile, we ended up, like, dragging our super heavy mattress out to the living room and, like, just camping in the living room for several nights, which was weird. Yeah. Did you, like, put up a little blanket fort around it? I, I mean, that's, that's one of those things that's, like, that sounds fun, but not when you're, like, a, like, sleepy and pissed that your bed just broke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's and fun so... if you're, like, doing it by choice. Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. It kind of, like, makes you realize how much, like, the placement of your furniture affects your, like, daily routine. Um, because, you know, then then all of the stuff that accompanies us to sleeping has to also be moved to mm -hmm. the living room. Like, uh, you know, our plugs for our phones and the uh, water bottle I have for during the night and uh, Huck CPAP had to get plugged in, which means we had to unplug some of our electronics that are in the living room, which messed up a whole bunch of other things because we couldn't tell which plugs were which and like oh, no. accidentally unplugged the sound system. So now the sound system is back to its like factory default thing, um, which means that it turns off after like 10 minutes of non-use, um, which is really annoying. And I know how to turn it uh, I theoretically know how to turn that setting back off, um, except that to do so requires uh, like following some menu prompts that appear on the little digital display. And that digital display has been burned out for like over a year and doesn't show anything. Oh, no. <laughs> so I basically just can't fix it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it's know. just like... The cascading effect of like one bad thing happening. Yeah. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like okay, I'm I'm still in the like international travel mode where it's like all right, we're gonna like just d deal with that, and I also have to like get somebody to train somebody in how to pet sit a gecko, uh, and then I you know we have to go to a, find a friend who has a scale so we can weigh our luggage so we make sure we're not over the limit and. 
It's, it's just a lot of things. It's, yeah, it is a lot of things. Yeah, I honestly have not even considered, like, what I'm packing yet. Because um, as we mentioned last time, I am also in the same boat. We're basically both going to be traveling internationally at the exact same time. Yep. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, like, next weekend is a long weekend, and my plan is to get all of our laundry dealt with because I'm so bad at, like, I'll do the laundry, and then it doesn't get, like, folded and sorted and put away. It just kind of, like, hangs out in a basket. It's clean. Yep. It's just not put away. Yep. So I've got to do that. Like, that's priority one. And then I'm going to, now that all the laundry is dealt with, then I can pack. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that. Yep. It's, it's, it's the, like, uh... ADD anxiety paralysis of like, do I need this or do I just think that I might maybe possibly need this? Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yep. yep. I feel your pain. <clears throat> I'm also, I don't want to put a new fear into your head, but I'm like terrified that my, um, my like plug adapter that I bought. I'm going to get there and it's just not going to work and I'm going to be totally screwed on being able to charge any of my stuff. So, yeah, I don't you know what is going to happen. If it what? does not work, you go to the mm -hmm. nearest store and buy a new. That's true. You know what? That's very true. They should they will probably definitely have adapters like at the place we're staying at. So, yeah. That's, that's a good, good point. That's a good point. Okay, that's that's I can like cross that fear off the list. Thank you, yeah. Paul, we have, for being we have, the voice of reason. We have one that we bought from our last trip, which I'm pretty sure works, and then one new one that we also bought, which you know, if that fails, we at least have our old one, and I think like my mom has a couple there that we can use as well. So uh, that is one thing. Luckily, I'm not worried about. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure my mom also has a couple, but yeah. I considered buying two just in case, but I've already a spent enough of, money. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot of electronics involved here. Mm -hmm. Also, transatlantic flights are so expensive. Um, but it's fine. We don't do this very often, so. Yeah, well, no. We'll I deal with it. almost never travel. And, like, lately, obviously, almost definitely don't travel without Everett coming along. And he's not. So that, he doesn't, he doesn't travel particularly well. He gets really, really cranky. Aww. So that's, that's fine. I'll take it. Um, yeah. You gotta, you gotta put some treats in his carrier to trick him into coming along. I know. I I wish I could just put a cover, like being like a bird, like you throw a towel over it <laughs> yeah. and it tricks him into thinking it's nighttime and they just sleep. That would be awesome. Yep. Um, how you doing, Carl? I've been thinking if I've been, been doing anything these past two weeks. And I don't think I have. That sounds great. Uh, I'm preparing to play Armored Core. Yeah. That's going to take up the whole week. When does that come out? Like two days ago. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I haven't been. <laughs> I have not been paying attention to like new game releases at all. I um, I remember for like several weeks, I kept getting articles about like, oh, there's there's rumors that there's going to be a remake of Red Dead Redemption, and then all of a sudden, people are like. 
the article suddenly just became people are really disappointed about this remake. I was like, what? when did the remake happen? How did that, where did this come from? Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So, yeah. yeah definitely no, not I, on top of these things. I have been playing Pseudo Regalia, which has been pretty fun. Like a PS1 style game. A platformer. Yeah, this one. I um with a furry yeah. protagonist. Yeah, that one I've because that was a game jam that got made into a full game. I actually saw um some footage. There's a YouTube channel that I watch. Um, the guy's called Iron Pineapple, and his whole deal is he plays games that are tagged on Steam as Souls-like, which a lot of them just aren't. And this is one of the games he <laughs> talked about, and it looks really fun. And I definitely need to check this one out. Thank you for reminding me. It is quite fun. It's absolutely nothing near a Souls-like. Yeah, I've, I've actually been playing um, recently another game that he covered on a past video that is kind of in the same vein. Like, it's really mostly just a 3D platformer. But somehow it got tagged as a Souls-like. And it's also good. Um, the Blue Fire is what it's called. Oh, I've been wanting to play Blue Fire. Oh, it's a lot of fun. Looks like the main character is, like, the that one character from uh, Deltarune. Like, the goat. Oh, I thought you were talking about Blue Fire. Yeah. No. No, sorry. But Sidonia, yes. Yeah. I just found it because I had been uh, trying to Google it, and I just kept finding a game called Regalia, and I'm like, this doesn't sound like what they're talking about. Uh. Yeah, it's got wall running. Both of them have wall running, I believe, which is like an automatic A+. <laughs> wall running just improves any game. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I guess I don't disagree with that. Uh, no, I, like, it depends on how it's implemented, for sure. Uh, I was just thinking about, uh, uh, what's its face? The one with the big robots that we played, uh, Titanfall 2, and how hard I had, uh, how hard a time I had getting used to how the wall running worked in that game. I didn't remember that one happening while running. Me yeah, this is the one where, like, like if you couldn't figure out how to do it, you could, like, press a button and it would do, like, a little ghost image that showed you how to do it properly. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's a nice little, nice little touch that they put that in there. Yeah, and there was that, there was, like, that whole sequence in, like, a forge or something where you're, like, running across these big panels where there's, like, lava under you and you have to keep jumping from one to the other and... I mean, it was a like yeah, there were cool that. set pieces they did with the wall running in that game. Um, yeah, I, I, I just I think found the... it difficult to execute. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I the remember that... the thing where you wall run and then you snap your fingers and change time while yeah. you were running. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that game was pretty much all set pieces, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, yeah. Well, there were some cool set pieces. But... There definitely were. Uh, speaking of cool set pieces, I finally finished uh, Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, yeah? Uh, I don't know if I mentioned that last time. I can't remember if I've done it in the past two weeks or if it was before that, but I think it was in the past two weeks. Um, and the, the ending, like, the ending sequence of that game is very hype. It has, like, I a much... I still need to actually finish it. 
it has a much hyper uh ending bit than uh than I feel like Breath of the Wild did. Nice. Um so I, I mean was, I I, was... I can vaguely spoil it if uh depending on I, yeah, how I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, care about spoilers. Go ahead. Um okay, so spoilers for the ending of uh Tears of the Kingdom. Skip ahead if you if you don't want to hear it. Um but the so like you you have to go under the castle to find where Ganondorf is and like it's a it's a real tough gauntlet of like fighting a bunch of gloom enemies and and the thing is like you keep going down and then you go down and then you go down some more and then you go down and it starts getting really creepy i started getting the feeling that uh i got like playing subnautica when you go too deep and it's like i'm like no i shouldn't mm -hmm. humans should not be this deep in the thing like that's not right um and the music changes to be like incredibly creepy and then there's a there's a whole like fight with ganon's army thing where you uh you fight with the alongside any of the sages that you've collected um if you that's the point where like if you have missed any sages you have to do like a boss rush for the bosses that you didn't fight uh earlier Oh. Uh and then you go you fight Ganon, you have a bunch of, you know, waves of um uh like enemies or sorry, a bunch of waves of like um not waves, I guess, forms, a bunch of different like you fight him like this and then he transforms a little bit and then you fight him like that and then your friends arrive and then your friends get taken out and it's just you guys again and you know like all of the all the little mm -hmm. boss phase type things you do uh and then at the end uh he transforms into uh a giant fuck off dragon <laughs> and carries you into oh, the sky cool. <laughs> and then you ride the light dragon and you fight ganon dragon v dragon in the sky and <laughs> as hell oh man that sounds super hype yeah now i actually have to like go back and finish it because yeah. i always like kind of especially in really big games like that i just kind of peter out from like okay i'm not yeah. like super compelled by this anymore and it's a zelda game so you like you kind of know what you're getting into and usually what you're getting into is not a giant aerial dragon v dragon fight yeah um, so that that has kind of uh <laughs> jump started my interest again yeah and it's like the the you know Dragon Ganon has, like, a bunch of weak points on him, so you have to strategically jump off your dragon and, like, land on Ganon Dragon and find the spots, and then he kicks you off and you get picked up by your dragon again, and it's, it's, a, it's a fun scene. It's not, like, crazy difficult or anything, um, but it, it feels real cool. It sounds like, after all the stuff, you know, underground and all the gloom stuff, that's kind of, like, your victory lap, right? Like, yeah. now you yeah, get to do something very cool. It's a lot like the like big like giant beast Ganon thing at the end of that fight in mm -hmm. in Breath of the Wild, but just cooler. Yeah. And more and more narratively driven, I think. Um, depending on how much you know about the secret of the light dragon. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I know that part at least. I've I've yes. gotten through all of that. Okay. I will I will not say that because that's additional spoilers, but um yeah so that was that was a fun game um i didn't like 100 percent it or anything because only crazy people 100 percent oh yeah but, um you know i did all the side quests i cared to do i uh maxed out the 
uh, fierce deity armor. So I had a pretty easy time with the final fights because I had like a triple uh, attack bonus um, and real yeah. good armor. So I feel love to see it. Yeah, I'm solid, not sure if I if I mention it here, but like my buddy, who's a massive Zelda nerd, which I guess I am as well to some extent, <laughs> but I haven't played. He finished the game with 900 Korok seeds. Ugh. Yeah, I've yeah. heard there's I've heard there's 900 Koroks. Like, I mean, the, at least at the very least, one of the challenges you can do in the game nets you a mask that like makes a noise when there's a Korok nearby, so you can use it to like play hot and cold with where the Koroks are. So at least mm -hmm. they give you something to help find it. Do you know? Did he um? Did he end up? Uh, like looking up a guide at the end, or did he try and do it all himself? No, he did all of it himself, and oh, he didn't boy. get ev oh. he didn't get every single one. Oh, there's more than nine hundred. Jesus, yeah. I guess there was nine hundred in the previous one. Or like it's around there. I don't know exactly. Yeah. How many really... got? How many Koroks are there? Are a thousand Korok seeds in Tears of the Kingdom? Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. Ha. Ha. Indeed. Yeah. Ha. Ha. I still love. I still love the Koroks. I wish I could be a little Korok. Just living in the forest. That's all I really want. In the in the uh, <laughs> last game, if you collected all the Korok seeds, you got a little golden poop. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you still get a little golden poop for all the Korok seeds. I uh, hope so. But that really feels like a fitting, um, fitting reward. Yeah, for just subjecting yourself to that kind of a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it time to talk about the game? Uh oh! Unless you want to talk about the Barbie movie, which I saw on Friday. You know what? I I still haven't seen it. Okay. I we just are not like movie You're theater not goers. Massive Barbie fans. I did look. I did. Tr I tried to go down the route with with Ev of being like, "Well, look, this is like a Marvel movie, right? You have to watch all the other Barbie movies um, before <laughs> for the canon." <laughs> So I did, I did make him watch um, Barbie's The Princess and the Pauper because it's got Martin Short in it, and he really does sell his role as um, I I don't remember the name of the the evil advisor, um, but yeah, so I did make him watch that. That was the only one I could get him to watch. There's a game version of that, apparently. Yeah, it's like a sequel There's to the to the so movie. many games. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of those CG Barbie movies too. Yeah, I, um, I, my understanding is that um, was it the series that ran fairly recently that was CG was actually like pretty clever and tongue in cheek. Life, and, yeah, Life in the Dreamhouse. I yeah. I watched a few episodes of it and like yeah, the humor does hit. It's it's a little bit um, <laughs> it's a little bit much, as you might <laughs> expect from like a children's program that is primarily themed around the color pink. Um, yeah. But but yeah, no, when when the humor hits, it hits. It's it's not bad. 
Um, nice. I just, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch the whole series. Kind of like, yeah. uh, what was the, um, I think Scooby-Doo Mystery, Mystery Inc. Um, mm. is also really funny if you haven't watched any of that. It's good to know that there are people out there still making, like, quality children's television. Yeah. That's not um, just, like, terrible drivel. Yeah. It, yeah, look, there's, there's more to children's television than, like, Coco Melon. Yeah, or whatever the uh, latest, like, I, so, um, I, I did when, and this was like quite a few years ago now, not, not quite a decade. Um, I was doing, uh, a bunch of research on children's TV for the curriculum we were making, cause we we're making elementary school curriculum. So I was like, okay, what is like currently, what are the children currently being served? Right? Like, what are they used to? What is popular right now? Et cetera, et cetera. And I found that, like, all of children's television seemed to fall into, like, one of two categories. Um, one of them is, we are trying to teach you important les lessons about friendship. Um, and one was uh, hyper-frenetic, all things happening at all times. That's fair. Um, and I, I definitely, like... And, you know, all, both of those categories had things that were varying degrees of quality, right? Like, there were funny and interesting hyper-frenetic shows that were just full of, like, gags. And there were, like, good, you know, stories about friendship and empathy things. And then there were, there were also very bad versions of both. But I yeah. tended to prefer the friendship ones just because the, the hyper-frenetic ones made me very tired. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I agree. Um, yeah, a couple years ago when we went on our big family trip, um, all the kids were really into Bluey, so I watched a lot of Bluey that week. Bluey's not bad. Yeah, I have heard from my coworkers who have children that, like, Bluey is a solid, like, teaching important life lessons children's mm -hmm. show. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Where the characters have feelings and you learn about them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's there's definitely, like, continuity there. Yeah. You've got like good sibling relationships, yeah. All all good stuff. No. Um, I will watch the Barbie movie eventually. Yeah, I was gonna say the Barbie movie is not specifically for children. The Barbie movie is for people who like uh, have not taken a a like feminism or sexuality course in college, and like don't know where to start, and would like to learn a little bit about feminism, please. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a Greta Gerwig movie, like. Yeah. You know? It's it's like very on the nose. Like it's a super like feminism one oh one before. But like I believe that's, it. that's fine because like some some there are people out there for whom like this is new and never before thought about stuff. And like I hope they enjoy the movie. And it's it's even for people who like, you know, are familiar with the basics, there are still some like cute moments and funny gags and like it's you know, it's an entertaining uh it's still an entertaining film, but mm -hmm. um, I just at times I found myself kind of rolling my eyes at how on the nose it was. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it for sure. Um, but you know, I'm I'm happy to have seen it so that like like now can uh, like actually follow all the memes that have been appearing on my Tumblr dash. So. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. And the acting is good, and, you know, the writing is solid, and all that. All that good jazz. 
I um I read like a, a snippet of an interview with Ryan Gosling about like how do your kids feel like that you're that you play Ken in the Barbie movie and they're like and he's like look my kids don't even know that Ken's name is Ken they have Ken dolls or they have like a Ken doll and they call him Greg and like they call Barbie I think Barbie's name is like Jim Class he's like they have no idea what's going on I'm like, yes that's god that is such a a child having Barbie six years. Yeah, I was gonna say that's very much a childhood thing. There is a uh, one of the gags in the movie, um, which I think they show in the trailer, so it's not really a spoiler. Is that one of the Barbies is Weird Barbie, uh, and Weird Barbie is the oh, Barbie yeah. that you get when a child plays too much with a Barbie and like cuts their hair and draws all over their face and like makes them mm-hmm. do weird splits all the time and. I don't remember. I, I did see that part of the trailer. Now I don't remember off the top of my head who they had playing Weird Barbie. It's, um, it's, God, it's it's a very weird. appropriate actress. I forget her name. Um, but it's it's exactly who Oh, it's you, Kate McKinnon. It's yeah. Kate McKinnon. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it, it's exactly yeah. who you would want to play Weird Barbie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, and she's very good. To... She's very good in the role. She's good in like pretty much everything she's in. I like Kate McKinnon. Um, yeah, I'm just and now I'm thinking about like all of the best SNL sketches from the past, however long that SNL has not been very good, uh, have just been her, like carrying it basically. So yep. yeah, yeah. Also very good in the Ghostbusters, from what I remember. I never saw that one either. That was, but I've I, never. From what I remember of it, and like you know, it's been a while now, but I remember enjoying it uh, quite a bit, and that Kate McKinnon was one of the highlights of it. So. Yeah, I, I like. I remember, like as a kid, I only saw like bits and pieces of Ghostbusters. I don't think it like really could hold my attention, um, so I never had like a particular draw towards the franchise. Oh yeah, I I never saw it as a child. I only saw it later as an adult where someone's like, "You haven't seen Ghostbusters?" and so I had to see Ghostbusters. Um and it's fine. <laughs> like it's okay. Yeah. I, the premise is cute. Um I agree. It's very much fine. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know. It's it's probably it, it's something to do with the cultural context of the time and, you know, it being a a brand new idea and all that. Um, <clears throat> I watched a decent amount of the Ghostbusters animated series as a child. Oh, uh, the real back, Ghostbusters? Yeah, back when uh, the ironically named real Ghostbusters. Yeah. Um, back when back when all like semi popular movies got their own Saturday morning cartoon franchise for some reason. Um, there were a surprisingly high number of those. the The Men in Black one was also quite good, from what I remember. Um, yeah, but I also but I also remember the, the Ace Ventura um, and the Mask ones not as much. Oh, I don't think I, I I'm aware of those, but I don't think I watched either of them. I think the the wildest one is that um, Louis Anderson had his own animated TV show about child Louis Anderson called Life with Louis. That, <laughs> um, yeah, that's that that name rings very faint bells, but uh, uh, Louis Anderson he's just um uh like old old time not not like old guard but he was a really big comedian back in the day he passed away pretty recently um but i have a lot of fondness for him 
Um, he was his his stand-up sketches were just like him getting up there and telling stories real good, which is a kind of which is a type of stand-up that I really appreciate. Oh God, this guy, yeah, yeah, and, that yeah. guy. He I hosted um Family Feud for a long time. That's the thing that most people probably <laughs> would know him from. I remember uh, that this show existed. Um, and that's about it. I don't think I ever watched that one. I don't think I did either. I it, again, I I know that it existed. It's just really funny to me. Yeah, nineties um, cartoons were weird. Yeah, I think um the the best thing about Louis Anderson is like kind of his last big role was in the TV series Baskets, um, which is about Zach Galifianakis who has returned from clown school in France and he's like trying to be a serious clown, and his family like owns a rodeo. It's it's a no, his family doesn't own the rodeo. Um, but, like, he's trying to be, like, a clown, but the only jobs he can get is rodeo clown jobs. Um, so Which he tries to bring, really like... not really related, like, to clowning yeah, so at all. so he, like, tries to bring serious clowning to rodeo, and it just, like, doesn't work out for him. It's it's one of those shows that's, like, it's not laugh a minute. Like, the premise is pretty good, um, but there, it gets into some serious stuff. But anyway, Louis Anderson um, does a divine and plays... Um, Zach Galifianakis's character's mother mm. so like just in drag the whole time and he does such a good job much like Divine in Polyester you forget that it's a man in drag yeah nice so yeah good like I said I don't I can't think of anything that he's done like that was that big since you know before he died um, so that a good one to go out on honestly sure. <laughs> like yeah why not? Yeah. Anywho, <clears throat> have I sufficiently put off us uh, talking about the game? I think so. Yeah, yes. we're all. Um, I think the first thing that Carl said when we started the call was, "I hope any of you have an opinion about this game," <laughs> um, <laughs> which we all very quickly realized that none of us really have an opinion um, I mean, about I, this game. I have like. I guess I have an opinion on it. I have yeah. thoughts about it. I don't have like super strong opinions. I more have uh references. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Points of reference. Uh yeah. like we... if you like X, you will probably like this game. So we played Planet of Llama, which was made by Wishfully and published by Thunderful Publishing. I will try to leave my opinions about Thunderful Publishing aside. Oh, yeah. Okay, good to know. Are they, um, which, now I gotta look them up. I think I know. I think now that you say that, I think I know like the reputation. Uh, Don't think they um, had such a bad reputation, but they're one of the companies that keeps buying up Swedish indie game in developers. Oh, okay. I'm probably thinking of someone else then, but that's unfortunate. Okay. Uh, and do you, do you know when it came out? It's like it came out fairly recently, right? Yeah, this year. This year, okay. In May. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so when I was when I was playing it in the early game, uh, Huck leaned over uh, and said, "That looks a lot like Limbo." And you know I what? I called it Planet of Limbo. And you know what? He's not wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like if Limbo were like very colorful and hopeful. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I kept thinking was, 
and I, I went more towards inside, but if inside yeah. was had colors and was not uh quite as gritty. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it still is like it gets scary, a little gritty for sure. Scary and like you're you have you control a child that can die in gruesome ways. So like <laughs> it's not that cheerful, but uh but it does have it is like more optimistic and does have a, a happier ending. Yeah, and the puzzle feels very like limbo-esque. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, the main the main difference gimmick wise in this is that in this game you have uh, like a secondary character, um, you have a little like shadow furball cat ish type thing companion, uh, and you cooperatively solve a lot of the puzzles um, with. Uh... Oh shoot! I knew the name of the cat thing, and now I can't it's remember. Mui, Mui, Mui. That's right, Mui. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Mui helps you out, like hitting, uh, hitting buttons and uh, like chewing through wires and, uh, and as a distraction yeah, from predators. Like, yeah, burrowing, burrowing into holes and uh, distracting predators. Uh, and you can you can have Mui like sit and stay in a given position uh, or follow you. Um, and you need Mui to to like help you get around. Mui can also jump like way higher and further than you can. So there's a mechanic also where you can like direct Mui to go somewhere that you can't reach, and then uh, they can like drop you down a little like rope type thing. Um, Mui is basically a better you <laughs> in a lot of ways, except Mui can't go into water. Mui is afraid of water, so you do have to help Mui across the water. That is the only way in which Mui is inferior to you. And you I can, guess like you, you can push crates. Yeah, you can push crates, and you can also, like, at, at past a certain point, you get the ability to control machinery, uh, which Mui, being a cat, would probably be too distractible to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, Mui does uh, not have the muscle tone necessary to haul around crates. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mui is very cute. And there is a dedicated pet Mui uh, button command, so... Yeah. Um that's very important. Um but yeah, so the story of the game is that like you are uh, a young girl on an alien planet in like a sort of low technology level fishing village kind of um kind of place and uh you know, very very idyllic pastoral life kind of thing. Uh and then one day uh, giant robots from space come and kidnap everyone, uh, including your sister Elo. And you have to go and rescue them all and uh, defeat the the robot hive mind. Uh, and it has uh, sort of a, a through line where you're uh, learning about the past of like what's the deal with these robots and you know it's it's none of it is told with actual language it's all kind of like pictures and inference so some of it's open to interpretation um but it seems like the the your people are <clears throat> like he, ancient humans who came from the earth to like settle this new world and the robots are like supposed to be 
caretakers of you at some point mm-hmm. um like you know like the the sort of preservers of humanity so it seems like when you actually get into the center of the robot thing you find that like what they've done is like take all the humans and place them in like individual cells where they have like a little bed and like nutrient like basically little individual hamster hutches yeah um and they have like a little nursery where they're like raising up baby humans as well um so it seems like the they are the robots the robots are like nominally friendly towards humans although they will kill you on sight yeah. as you are <laughs> progressing that was through something so. that that bothered me from the start was they kidnap all the people but you are killed on sight yeah yeah <clears throat> Um, so I don't know what's different about you that you are like, maybe you're a defective human and you get cold or something. I don't know. Um, or they perceive you as a as a threat to the operation. Um, but yeah, you, you have to not get killed by the robots. Um, but so as you're going through, you like pick up pieces, various pieces from the technology. Uh, as you're going the first one, you sort of expose uh, Mui to and then Mui can like mind meld with critters on the planet and like hypnotize them mm-hmm. um and then the next one you get lets you actually like control robots if you can find their little control panels um and so you can you can get different kinds of robots to do different things <clears throat> um and i got to say some of the uh some of the solutions to some of these puzzles are a little bit like morbid um there's definitely one where you have to get like a robot to kill the native wildlife so it stops chasing you and then you can Uh like drag its corpse over to a button yeah i didn't feel great about any time that i had to like kill an animal um yeah because there there were a couple where where that's kind of the solution um yeah and the first one, like, it just die. the first animal that this happens to just dies from fall damage from, like, trying to chase you off a cliff, which is not as bad. But then there are later ones where you're, like, deliberately murdering plants and animals in this planet to, uh, for your own ends, which is, yeah, doesn't feel the best. Um, but it's, uh... Maybe that's why the robot's will kill you on site because they know you're a threat to the local ecosystem. I mean, but they also, like, are killing a bunch of the local wildlife and, like, processing it into protein sludge to That's feed true. the, the uh, people. So... Yeah. Um, do not there's... do not want to consider what that paste tastes like. Just <laughs> the, green, the green goo. Yep, they just feed them a bunch of green goo. Uh, it's... Yeah, and there's there's a whole like running thing where like the way you, um, the way you control the robots is through this like note sequence, uh, and it gave me serious flashbacks to Aquaria. I don't know mm-hmm. if you guys remember, but there was like a a musical sequence that ran through that game, and then towards the end of the game, you actually have to like use it mechanically. So the the great thing about that is this game actually prompted me to download and play Aquaria a little bit again until I found that it doesn't run great um, on current systems. That's Um, too bad. I guess there's some people who are working on, like, a full remaster of it, but you know how those kinds of projects don't really tend to pan out. Yeah. I'm sure I could make it go if I fiddled with it some, but it's just, it just, it really, like, it, like, locks up, and it gets to a point where it's like, oh, it's gonna crash, it's gonna crash, and then it's like, oh, it's fine again. 
And then five minutes later, the same thing happens. So I don't know what that specific issue is, but I was like, man, this, I want to play Aquaria again. Yeah. Like, Aquaria is a really good game. Yeah. Um, So it's a shame that I can't play it right now. Yeah. The, uh, I, I like the musical sequence from Aquaria better than the musical sequence from this game. They're mm-hmm. both fine. Um, the, the musical sequence from Aquaria, if you'll recall, was the, um, um, which was, which I didn't is remember, like, but yes, <laughs> which is, uh, <clears throat> kind of feels good and, and ominous. The one from Planet of Lana is much shorter and just goes, Da 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 da, um, which is fine, except that it's also like the first five notes of um, "There Can Be Miracles" from Prince of Egypt. <laughs> so every time oh, you're it right. played, that song got stuck in my head. I was really wondering, like, what what is what is this like? What box is this ticking in my brain? And you are correct; it's that. Every it's exactly night that. We pray. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm like, god damn it. Uh, um, and that's like that's that was actually one of my favorite sequences is you you find this old hermit out in the desert who's been studying the robot language in uh in detail and he has all these like notes about you know what the different notes are and uh you have to like translate the little symbols to find the correct notes and like that was a fun like I got to write down stuff on my whiteboard and I felt yeah. Smart about it. I love when you get I love I don't know. I love it anytime a game like makes me actually physically write something down or where <laughs> I feel compelled to do that. Yeah. Um it's just I don't know. It makes you feel like you're kind of back in the old days a little bit. Yep. Yeah. And like that can be overdone, like if it's if it's too esoteric, like it can be frustrating. But I felt like this was the right amount. Yeah. Um so yeah. Um so like the I guess we can kind of talk the environments. You start at this little like beach like fishing village, and then you kind of go through these like foresty cliff areas. Um, eventually, you get to. Let's see. I have a little walk I think through the here. Swamp can, is next. I have a walk through, so I can I can kind of scroll down along. Um, yeah, so main yeah main forest where you meet uh, you meet Mui. Um, you go through a bunch of like other kind of abandoned villages. Then there's yeah, then there's the cave system. There's like a cave system, oh, yeah. and there's like a giant uh, like pipe organ in the um, in the center that you have to play that tune on. Um, that was kind of a of that that was a puzzle I got stuck on for a little bit because you actually have to backtrack to find a couple of the prompts. Same, yeah. <clears throat> uh, if you didn't notice them earlier. But then you get your you get your first tech, uh, and then is yeah, then's the swamp area. There's like some water places, and it sort of is getting like deeper and darker. And then you find like the original mothership that everybody that like came here on, and uh, you go through the mothership, and you get the robot controlling technology. Uh, this is where I got like real, real inside vibes. Yeah, in this yeah, yeah, for sure. You're like controlling these like. Uh, lifts and like oh, there's all this sort of like broken equipment and yeah it definitely feels a lot like inside there um, it doesn't quite have the um, 
like the ludo narrative harmony where it in in inside where even though like everything was incredibly surreal in that game it still felt like each space kind mm -hmm. of was a logical next step from the previous space i feel like planet of lana like the the level design is good in planet mm -hmm. of lana but it does feel more like a sequence of puzzles um, yeah i agree than inside did um it's not like it's not a bad thing it's just sort of an observation um then you cross the ocean um and then you're you have like a lot of sort of like beach adjacent stuff and then i think you make it out to the desert um and then there's a like you know our our lowest moment thing where you're you and mui are attacked and you get separated from mui and it's implied that maybe mui got caught by a robot and it's you know very worrying but you're like not gonna like kill off mui here like that's we still have a big chunk of the game left like that mm -hmm. then they didn't show him dying so um yeah so yeah then you get you get to the old man you solve the um rakuen i guess is his name um like you solve his puzzle and it lets you like ride one of the robots and there's like a chase sequence through the desert with ugh, button mashing uh <laughs> freaking um quick time yeah. events which like I know there's an accessibility option that I assume turns the, those off, but in general, like button button mashing is never accessible. <laughs> like button mashing is a bad way to do quick time events. Yeah, I feel like the button mashing was very forgiving. Um, but it was. I agree. I agree. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like even mild but button mashing is like unpleasant on the f to do physically. <laughs> right, mm -hmm. right, like. And I get that you're, you know, we are in an unpleasant situation. You want it to be sort of tense and frantic, but like, just don't do, don't do button mashing commands. It's, it's not worth it. Um, mm -hmm. And then, although the the sequence where you're riding across the desert, like if that had just been a cutscene, and you hadn't been forced to mash buttons and and watch for quick time events, like it was very, very cinematic, like well directed, um, yeah. very fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, and I, I actually still enjoyed um like I enjoyed the other quick time events. They were okay. I think I failed one of them. Um but Same. like yeah, the the quick time events of like react quickly to, you know, see which button you have to press. Like I'm okay with that. It was a little bit like a little bit tricky and a little frustrating, but like it didn't feel um arduous in the same way that I feel like button matching feels arduous. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's just me, but um that's that was my take on it um let's see then then you sneak aboard a little uh like a delivery drone thing to this giant sphere that you can see in the distance that's like been communicating musically with all the robots up to this point um and then you find you you like sneak through their like weird factory this also has big inside vibes mm -hmm. um where you yeah. know it's like a like very you know faceless automated factory that's very ominous and all kinds of things doing who knows what and you see like critters in cages um being you know like ground into goop and you're like oh jesus uh and then you find mui and you rescue Mu mui from the conveyor belt um and then you you and Mui go to like f you find the humans in their cages uh and then you 
Um, you make your way to the giant uh, super brain hive mind thing. Where well, you there find is... you find your sister also yes. in in yeah. the human habitats, um, and you have like a nice little reunion, even though she's still in her little cage. Yep. Um, but the alarm like goes off, and you gotta run. Yep, you gotta <laughs> run, and you gotta escape. And you you run your way. There's like a a pretty tense and like like pretty uh, exciting chase sequence thing where you gotta kind of, you know, you you have to make the right d- decision like at the drop of a hat about which way you're gonna run because the opposite way in most cases will take you in t- right into an enemy drone. Uh, so there's a lot of like split second decision making. Um, and I don't know. It feels it feels again like cool and frantic and mm-hmm. you know you're doing a lot of running away. Yeah, well, uh, well choreographed. I think yeah. is like what I was thinking when I was playing it. Yeah, for sure. It feels you know you get a good like action movie sequence feeling from it that you actually get to participate in, uh, and it's it's not like I definitely made the wrong decision at least like once or twice. Um, and some of the some of the timing uh, in this game is like very unforgiving. Uh, not just in this sequence, but like generally throughout. There are the occasional ones where like. You have to jump at the very last second in order to make the like mm-hmm. length of a jump. Like they put it at the absolute maximum jump distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so like that was that that was a little tough at times. Um, and the I will say that like the jump, the like platforming controls on this don't feel the greatest. Like they're not. Yeah. They're not the worst that I've I've like played, but they feel kind of mushy and unresponsive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's in part because like just the animations, like it there's a like a few frames where you don't jump immediately after pressing the jump button because the animation is like gearing up for the jump. Um, yeah, they're makes... very long animations. Also, with uh, something like turnaround, it's like mm-hmm. super long. Yeah. Um, and so that that makes the controls feel kind of sluggish, uh, which is not great. Like it looks good, but it doesn't feel great. Um, yeah, that's one of those things that is like a big pet peeve of mine in a lot of games now, where you know we've got really high fidelity everything, um, so you want to make those animations look good and smooth. But I, I think it's fine if the animation is a little bit less choppy or a little more choppy to serve. Uh, more responsive controls. I really yeah. hate, like, in a game where you have, you know, several feet of stop when you try to stop running or something. Yeah. Yeah, and as I say, it's not the worst. Like, it's definitely not a, like, unplayably bad kind of thing, but it is, you know, it does feel noticeably mushy, and you just kind of have to get used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that combined with the fact that some of these are very, like, tightly coupled, like, you know, t- uh, tightly uh, control-required jumps, uh, that can be a little frustrating at times. Um, they Some of these needed just a little more leeway. <laughs> there was one towards the beginning where there's, like, one of those, like, pig-boar-type enemies that, like, it's the one where it, like, chases you off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to try, like, I knew what I had to do, and it took me, like, four or five tries to properly execute it, because, like, the time it takes you to pull yourself back up the cliff after the yeah. boar sees you is, like, way longer than I thought, and you have to be right at the edge of that chasm in order to make that jump. So there were, like, two or three parts of it that I, like, kept messing up repeatedly and had to do again. 
Yeah, I remember that exact sequence now that you've brought it up. And yes, I I got got by the boar um, several times while like trying to pull myself off that ledge. Yeah, you, you pretty much have to pull yourself as soon as it sees you mm-hmm. um, in order to get up in time before the boar makes its way back and and just gores you. So. Um, and that was true sometimes with like Mui as well when I was using Mui as a distraction where like I misjudged the amount of time it would take Mui to get away. It feels very bad when you get Mui killed because you it directed does. him wrong. It feels really bad. Um, Mui is very cute. Uh, so it's, uh, they did it. They did a good job giving you a companion that like doesn't feel like a burden. Mm hmm. Because Mui does, Mui does a lot of uh, like hard tasks for you, and and like just catches up with you pretty much. Um, like you don't have to like you know stick around and babysit. Um, but anyway, so you uh, you in your running, you you make your way into the final control center of the giant uh, the giant sphere, and you. You control panel it, and then you have to do like a timing-based jump sequence where like Mui is uh, closing these gates over you so that you don't get fried by this like giant radiation pulse that the uh, that the core can do. Um, so you can make your way over to like its controls. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's pretty cool end sequence uh, as far as like the. It's not long, but it you know it feels intense. Um, mm-hmm. and then you get to the controls and you try and have Mui, like, mind meld with the machine, I think is what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to do some more, like, uh, quick time button, button match and button mash, uh, like, prompts as they come up. And it's, it's a little unclear here what happens, because, like, Mui dies question mark it seems like Mui dies um and but then you like reboot the machine by playing the or like humming the audio sequence that, yeah you're uh, like singing it to yourself in a moment of despair while you're cradling the limp body of Mui in your yeah, arms yeah you so you you start singing uh there can be miracles and the uh <laughs> Appropriately, um, it does. It not only wakes up the machine, but waking up the machine also revives Mui. So, I, like my interpretation was that, like because Mui had mind melded with the machine, he's like part of the hive mind now, and like reviving it revived him. Question mark. It's very vague. Yeah, it's yes. <laughs> it's unclear. Um. But anyway, uh, since you woke the thing up with the, like, command sequence, now you control the robot hive mind. Uh, so now all the robots are good, and, like, you actually uh, make it so that they, they listen to the people and they, like, hang out and uh, and just, like, help people with their fishing and farming and stuff. and. Yeah, the, the very last thing is <laughs> you, you get a neat little sequence. The beginning of the game is a, a little sequence where you're running through the village trying to catch up to your sister. And in this one, you're running through the village and now you see that like all the robots are there and they're helping people with their daily tasks and blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> they lived happily <laughs> is... ever after. 
They lived happily ever after. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and Mui is okay, and it's just like I don't know. It's like a good good feels ending. Um, there's also a uh, there's a series of achievements. Um, the one the ones that I bothered to go back for are there's like a bunch of these uh, hidden shrines that give you pieces of a tapestry, and there's it's not a quite like one in every level sort of thing, but more or less. Um, and they're, some of them are very well hidden. There's ten of them, and I think I found seven of them um, by default. And then um, there's luckily there's a chapter select at the end. Um, so I did I did end up looking up what chapter the ones I had missed were in, so that I could uh, not waste a bunch of time like looking for ones that didn't exist. And but then I did mm -hmm. find the other three on my own with just that information. So I felt good about that. That's good. Uh, yeah, I, I somehow found the first two and the last two and missed all of the ones in the middle. Yeah, <laughs> some of them are really well hidden. Like one of them I only found because I was like trying to direct Mui somewhere. And then I noticed that it allowed me to direct him onto like what seemed to be an entirely blackened part of the screen. And I'm like, wait, why can Mui stand there? Um, and hmm. then I, I went and uh, investigated and it was like a secret tunnel to, to one of the shrines. Um, but the thing that you put together, the, like, mural that you put together is a mural that appears, like, in full in the game, like, in the middle of the game at one point. So it's not like you're learning, like, new secret information about the narrative, and it's not like it, uh, you know, unlocks a new ending or anything like that. It's it's just for the sake of having collectibles, pretty much. Yeah, that's fair. I was worried that I was missing, like, an extra little piece. Um, so it's good to know that it's just the same thing you already have. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, yeah. I didn't actually try the ending again to like make sure that nothing's different, but I didn't see anything online that implied that there was a different ending. So, um, and that it's a happy sense. end. It's not like you get a bad ending. Uh, so, you know, it's not like you would get a better one with, uh, with collecting. So that was fine. Um, there's also an achievement for doing the entire game deathless, which I, I was kind of like, screw that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not trying for that one. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I have, like, you know, everything except that achievement and the get all achievements achievement. <laughs> um, but well, it's, you know, if you like games like Inside where it's like a, you know, puzzle platformer with more more emphasis on the puzzle and it's the, like, small child in a big dangerous world moving left to right kind of thing mm -hmm. in yeah. a semi semi 2d space like sort of faux faux 3d but actually 2d kind of uh thing like it's that it's inside but more cheerful <laughs> if like mm -hmm. inside seemed too scary for you you can play this yeah so here's the problem i have with this game really is it's not that it's bad it's just that i think like it doesn't have the narrative aspect of something like inside yeah. Or it doesn't do like puzzles like Preak did or something like that. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and inside was like one hundred percent mood, right? Like inside is one of the like moodiest driven games that we've played. And this one is like there are things that happen and it has a cohesive aesthetic, but it doesn't have like a single overwhelming tone in quite the same way. Yeah, I I feel like there was there were so many just like little moments of horror 
in inside. Um, yeah. And I'm not even just talking about like, oh, there's a scary ghost girl in the water, but just like, just like little things, like I don't know, like sinking like, to the like bottom of the ocean or coming up into a or... giant vast space that you you think is outside, and then you realize you've been inside a giant warehouse this whole time. And yeah, or even just like like finding out that you can basically reanimate corpses with your mind, or there's that one section of the puzzle where you have to where you're like missing one guy and you find a corpse and you just use the the corpse to like finish weighing down that big pressure plate. Yeah. Um the the deaths were also um a lot more like visceral. Like yeah. you know in, in in Planet of Lana if you if you got got by like a boar or a robot, it would you would just ragdoll and yeah. like the the enemy would just kind of stand there. Um, in inside, if you got caught by a dog, it would linger for several Either seconds as the dog tears you apart. Your body, yeah. Um, or if you, you know, got hit by the big sonic blast, you just like you're vaporized into tiny pieces. Yeah. Um, like there's a lot of ways that you get vaporized into tiny pieces. Yeah, and um, I'm, I'm inside. To be clear, I'm not saying I would want that kind of creepy tone for Planet yeah. of Lana. Like that's not what it was going for. Uh, it's just that, that that particular game left an impression in the way that this one does not. Um, and also, I will like... Say... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, okay. I, I will say there was, like, one really good moment where... Um, well, there were two, I guess. In the old, um, like, mothership, where you find, like, one of those caretaker robots. Oh, yeah. Um, who is there with the corpse. And then later on, when you're on the you know, the enemy ship, I guess, where you come across, like, just an empty room with babies and two robot arms, and there was just this, like, moment of fear. Like, oh no, the robots got the babies, and then you realize, oh no, they're just, like, they're the very gently... Yeah. yeah, they're very gently just keeping the babies in this one spot, like, kittens in a basket. Um, so they're, you know, this this game wasn't entirely devoid of that. Yeah, but... and, like, when you first, um, like, go from the, like, really dark like, blackened neon blue interior of the ship into, like, the bright white human habitation area. Like, that's a big dramatic moment, and, mm -hmm. like, that feels pretty cool. Um, and, like, I, you know, I liked the moment in the desert with the, uh, where you, you, like, meet the hermit and you go to his camp and there's, like, some cool, you know, as we mentioned, like, that was a cool puzzle sequence. Um, but, yeah, I also wanted to be clear that I don't think, like, horror and ominousness is the only like memorable like mood that a game can create i it feel like it's it's very common because it's actually one of the easiest ones to mm -hmm. do um but when i think about like gris like gris was a really incredibly moody game for me like tone based that was all about like this sort of like like aching beauty and like wonder of the like landscapes like that was that had a lot of tone Mm -hmm. um in a way that i loved and um even like to a lesser extent um what's that amanita game where you're like the little forest spirits botanicula yeah botanicula i felt mm -hmm. like you know it has a very like playful and cheerful aesthetic but it's like you know it also felt very like strongly uh tied to its mood and its mood was much more like sort of cheerful and jokey and uh, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, even though it had its darker moments. Um, but yeah, this one just feels like it's a story in a world, and there's a bunch of set pieces, and there's they're not bad set pieces, but yeah, there was very little that I feel like 
Um, I think, Carl, you said about the game, like, I won't remember this game at all in three years. Um, mm-hmm. and, yeah, it kind of feels like that. Yeah. Like, in three years, I'll go like, oh, yeah, Planet of Lana. I played that. I, I kind of remember liking that. <laughs> you know, like, that's... Yeah. Uh, I think I think the the worst thing is that I feel like this game could have really stuck the landing because we've already I think I think like the big the big kind of emotional resonance point here is like the sense of relief right like these robots aren't inherently out here to harm you and you get those moments um and even like the relief of oh my friend my my little my little guy friend didn't get ground up into to pulp yeah um like those are kind of the big moments that I remember was like that sense of relief like things are really bad but okay they're not as bad as i thought um and you know that 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 could have been sprinkled in a little further yeah and i mean it's it's, yeah it's not just relief but kind of like the dissonance between like the robots are like doing these like really inhuman horrible things that um like that you know it that kills you immediately it's like that's you very, yes. yeah that's very dangerous and that's like often kind of horrifying um and they are like like raising villages like they're burning yeah. them to the ground yeah and you know like very like graphically killing the local wildlife and things but you know as you go discovering that they're actually like they're trying to operate with your best interest in mind, right? Like they're, they're trying to help you and that they can only do this like horrifying, you know, inhuman stuff is like, is interesting. And um, it's actually like a a thing I, you know, uh, an idea I wanted to explore in a, in a screenplay I wrote at one point was kind of about that idea um, of like, no, the machines aren't evil. They're just dumb. They're just doing the thing they were programmed to do, and now the context has changed, and that makes it horrifying. Yeah, they're they're operating within their parameters just fine. It's yeah. just that the parameters are really scary to us. Yeah, um, and like I think that's a cool idea. And yeah, like maybe maybe they could have done more with that. I d- I don't have like sometimes we play a game and I'm like, oh, if they had just done X, Y, and Z, you know, it would have been. So much better. And, like, this one, I don't have any, like, specific ideas of <laughs> what I would want them to have done differently exactly. But it yeah. does feel there is still, like, the, the kind of whiff of missed opportunity about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also feel like maybe a little bit more puzzle variants. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of it felt like hit the switch, move the box. Mm-hmm. Um and they give you so many mechanics to play with. At the beginning, I was worried that, like, it was going to become kind of a morass to sort of control all of these different little f- abilities that they're giving you slowly. And that ended up not being the case, thankfully. Yeah. Like, every everything that you have to do feels, like, intuitive to do once they tell you. Yeah. Um, but and I, think I feel they like... Can, they continue to throw up button prompts in a lot of cases, even way past the mm-hmm. tutorial. Yeah, um, which is helpful, considering that like you have you have to push one button to push a button, but if you want Mui to push the button, it's a different button. Yeah. Um. So that's that was helpful that they just kept that there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah good, I, good it, mental it, association. It felt like every time 
you got a new ability, it's like, okay, we're going to do these puzzles now, and then it's like, okay, now on to the next thing, but not quite. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Puzzles you know, felt kind of samey. Yeah, that's fair. Um, one thing I will say, though, that I... That's like a, a weirdly small detail that I think makes a huge difference that I really liked um, was the pacing of the puzzles. I would love to do just like map out for myself as a game design exercise, um, like the the sort of difficulty of each screen, right? Because between puzzles, there are a series of screens that are more about just pretty simple traversal. Right, mm -hmm. they're not just walking left to right, but they're like doing a simple thing that you know how to do. Right, like pull a thing over to a ledge so you can jump up on it, or direct Mui to get a a rope down, or something like that. And it creates these like really nice lulls between the puzzle. Because if it was just mm -hmm. puzzle, 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 puzzle every single screen, you I feel like that would get really like repetitive and frustrating very quickly. Yes. Um, but the fact that you have these little like breather moments to just kind of enjoy the landscape a little bit and, you know, and to chill and then you go into a harder puzzle and maybe, you know, the puzzles themselves, there'll be like a few like medium puzzles and then there'll be one big set piece harder puzzle in the chapter um, and then, you know, back to more of the medium ones. Like, I feel like you'd have a really interesting interest graph for this game. Mm -hmm. um, which is like shows like sort of the the rising and falling tension over time, um, and like yeah, like I feel like this one is very well tuned, uh, and I appreciated that about it. It's well paced. Good true. job. Good yeah. job, uh, level designers for this game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Have we run out of things to say? I fear that we have. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a game. It's a game where like, that's like very with a lot of very good details. Right, mm -hmm. like all of the, a lot of the stuff in it is incredibly well executed, um, especially for a small indie game. But there's some gripes, things like you know the the controls being a little mushy, and I had a, one really weird visual glitch when where I died, and then my character like exploded sideways into a bunch of black rectangles. <laughs> that was oh, like very fun. disturbing, um, but uh, probably unrelated, uh, like or unintentional. Um, but you know, for the most part, I feel like it's a it's a very well made game, and it's it's a shame it's just kind of like missing a, the spark that you want it to have. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I will say the art is gorgeous. Um, like lots of beautiful scenery. It's really well really well rendered. It's got this like kind of gouache painting style, which is great. Just lots of like high saturation colors. Um, and not, I mean, not always high saturation colors, but it's it's got a good, like, tonal palette, I guess, between high saturation and low saturation, and it uses that appropriately. Um, so that's, like, definitely not a gripe, for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't remember much about the music or soundscape, but I think it was fine. Yeah, yeah I think it's better good. to not remember it than, than to remember it with <laughs> annoyance. So. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, it feels like an indie game 10 years ago. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. It's very, very, like... I mean, it's quite basic mechanics, even though they, like, and they use it well. Mm hmm 
Yeah, it's definitely, I think, more visually polished than a lot of games of that time were. But yeah, yeah. in terms of the the feel of playing through it, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like, it's. It, I think you know if you if this is like we said, like if you are interested in a game like Limbo or Inside, but you felt like those were a little too dark and dour, like this is the perfect game for you. Yes. Um, yeah, 100%. And, 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 it's, and it's very solid, and I'm like, I don't regret playing it. Like, I enjoyed it. Um, mm -hmm. It's just not, as, as Carl said, it's not going to be a game I remember in a few years, I think, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I don't know. It was, it was worth my time. I didn't feel like my time was wasted. Yeah, it's, no, it's exactly. Not like a, it's not like a crazy long game. It's like six hours max, I think. Yeah, it's it's pretty short. It's um, yeah, it doesn't outstay its welcome. Yeah. Uh, and currently free on Game Pass, so if you have Game Pass, you might as well play it. Yeah, that too. There's uh. I was I was looking through it um, through Game Pass the other day, and I feel like a bunch of games that we've played, like a short hike is free free right now um chicory is free right now there was i feel like there were a couple others but i don't want to scroll through this whole list so yeah i don't know i feel like game pass is like a, a good investment not that not that microsoft needs any more advertising <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean fair you can also pay for it on steam and that is also good for the devs so mm -hmm. I think it was on sale actually on Steam. I got a uh uh like little uh email thing that's like, "Hey, a game on your wish list is on sale." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, I forgot that that's still on my wish list. I might <laughs> maybe I should take that off since I have technically played it now." Yeah, um, probably. You know. Uh Let me let me uh do a quick uh search on Steam before I make this really good segue. Uh, yeah. I can oh, go through. through I, uh, I can't. I can't make the really good segue. Dang it! I was gonna oh, say, you, you know what game is also on sale right now, uh, but it's it's past its post-launch sale. Dang. Uh, yeah. What are we playing next? Yeah. So, if you uh, if you want to play along with us for our next game, uh, no segue. Uh, we're gonna be playing Astronaut the Best, which uh, I'm very excited about because it's my friend's Mike's game. Um, yeah. Basically, the brainchild of uh, Mike, who was my co-writer on Wintermore, uh, and another one of our uh, USC classmates, who's also a good friend uh, named David Marchand. Um, and uh, David was known at USC for making just all the weirdest games. Um, like his, the ideas he had for games were always like really out there. Um, he and Mike together, like early on in uh, in school, made a game about that was called Adalbert Vester, humoral physician, which was about using uh, humoral medicine in like I don't remember like oh, the God. 1600s, 1400s, something like that, uh, to like do political intrigue in the Bohemian court. Oh, uh, I love it. And I love it. Yeah, David. David also made a game that was about. Um, doing uh like gaming the stop stock market by investing and then going into space and flying at near light speeds to make time pass differently um 
that was both a like physics space game and a like investment management game. These are great. Uh, These yeah. are great ideas. I'm into uh, this. Yeah, and then uh, his thesis was uh, a game where you uh, you're from a future in which uh, like science and the development of like um, antibiotics and stuff have made diseases so powerful by you know because they're like you know resi biotics resistant diseases uh, that yeah. like there's a huge plague that's killing basically the entire population. Uh, so the solution is that they send you back in time to try and disrupt the uh, original development of science by making uh, taxidermy mythological creatures uh, and uh, trying to get funding away from the royal court to fund your mythology creatures rather than actual scientists. Oh, um, yeah. I want to play all of these games. <laughs> yeah, listen, <laughs> like I said, David, David always has, like, had some of the, like, really just, just the most unhinged game ideas that were like that is fascinating and like i really want to try that so he has teamed up with uh you you know you'll recall my friend mike being the co-writer on wintermore also has like occasionally a really weird and unhinged sense of humor uh so the two of them work very well together uh and they made a game called astronaut the best which is a game where um you are a uh you are the head of the uh, you know, like NASA type equivalent, the the space space branch of your government, um, in a sort of like Soviet esque Cold War country called Flaustria, um, which like you have to so you have to balance like training your astronauts who are all horrible losers and terrible people, uh, as well as like appeasing the high priests of the five gods of your uh, of your nation so that they, they give you funding uh, and also don't execute you. Um, and then like every, like, and you also have to like manage the public's perception of the space program so that you bring glory to your nation. Uh, and hopefully you do all of this well enough that you actually get to go to space. It is not necessarily guaranteed in any given mission that you will go, get to go to space. <laughs> um, and it's a sort of roguelike thing where there's, um, I think six main missions um, but you can, you know, you can play them. It's all the, all the astronauts are wrapped, randomized every time you go. So, uh, and all the events that happen. Um, so you, you know, you try and do the best you can. You try and earn glory. Uh, you can earn, like, unlock additional power-ups and things uh, after each mission. Uh, and then you can also unlock additional challenges. Uh, and I think there's some like true ending end game if you can do enough of the challenges but i have not gotten that far yet so i don't know what the true ending is perhaps <laughs> we can find it uh in our playthrough yeah but, i'm yeah. looking forward to playing this yeah it's uh it's fun the uh the visual style is all based on sort of like like the old propaganda art like pop art type thing and mm -hmm. uh also um I don't know, you know, this sort of like bright geometric uh style of um what's what is it's called like Googie, I think is the name of that style. Let me see. Uh Googie art style. Yeah. 
it's a little it's a little bit googie that's sort of like 1950s diner kind of aesthetic um but also i think like the main influence is you know the propaganda posters of the time uh all the menus have like these five pointed sides it's 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 really cool it's like looks like nothing else plays like nothing else it's a weird ass game but it's very funny uh and very good and uh yeah i'm excited to have uh, other people played it i've already played a bunch uh but i'm gonna play more and try and uh and get the secret ending um yeah and yeah like if you if you do play it along with us please please play it and then like leave a steam review because you need to have like a certain minimum number of steam reviews before they'll like do certain ratings with you so um i think they have like 21 reviews on steam right now uh so yeah, yeah I spread, need to. spread the word yeah definitely. Uh, yeah uh unfortunately though like we are not going to be talking about this in two weeks because as before mentioned uh kelso and i are both about to go on international vacations um so neither of us will really be able to play this game much for at least two weeks um and then you know obviously we're not going to podcast on a game we haven't played coming back immediately um so it's going to be at least a month i think um at least until uh september 24th until we uh actually get to podcast and then maybe later if we have to put it off because we still want to play more yeah, but for now, the the tentative date of the next episode is September 24th, so you can consider this, um, like, our summer break, I guess. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's still summer. It. It's still summer, yeah. It's still summer for a few more days. Well, I mean, it's technically summer until, like, what, September 21st? When's the equinox? Oh, anyway, I'm, I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to look that up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it'll it'll still be summer. I don't know. Technically, I think, I think yes. I think I think Sol- like the seasons solstice change at the solstice and equinox. Um, but look, that's too much thinking. Um, for the now, point, the point is you have plenty of time to play this game in the next yeah. month. So do it. Yeah, nerd. Um, <laughs> so um, I I was I guess I was gonna bring this up when we were doing housekeeping. Uh, uh so. I was a TweetDeck user for years and years and years, like 10 years, and now TweetDeck is a paid service only, um, so I don't use Twitter anymore. Um, and I don't know, I mean, I guess I'll keep posting the podcast on Twitter. Um, but yeah, we also have the link tree. Yeah, I was going to say, you want to go to, if you want to contact us or you want to find a, anything about us, like, use the link tree, not the Twitter. Yeah, link tree, link tr.ee slash feedback force podcast the discord link will be there the spotify and soundcloud links are there um all the relevant links are there and then maybe if i'm less lazy in the future i'll like add more links to you know important things i need to get a winter more link up on here um, also but anyway yeah that's that's where we're at um do you have any do you have any personal social media you want to plug or at this point nah Uh, i mean not really like i've got an instagram but i hate taking pictures so i don't use it um and i've got an instagram then that's also just garth's instagram um which i also don't use because i i just i never got into the habit of taking a lot of pictures unless i see a really dumb license plate um what's what's his instagram only garth's only Garth's. 
following now. Okay. There it is. Um, listen, if there's pictures of cats uh, occasionally, I will I will follow for pictures of cats occasionally. Maybe I'll endeavor to just. Boy, do I have something for you? <laughs> oh, the entire there's... internet. Yeah, there's plenty of pictures of cats on the internet. Well, listen. Hey, you Garth... know they got cats there. Garth is a very handsome boy, though. He's very handsome and exceptionally stupid. I do love him. <laughs> um, Just our dumb little yeah. guy. If you want to see pictures of lizards, uh, you can go to my Instagram, which is at Kyla Gorman Fury. Uh, and it's uh, like I post to that actually pretty regularly. And it is a 100% pictures of my lizard and lizard adjacent things. Um, I might at some point like rename it to actually be my pet's name and not my name in case I ever want to have an Instagram. But for now, it's my name. Uh, but it's all Escher and Escher's tank. So nice. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, and you can uh, get the game that I made, Wintermore Tactics Club, uh, in various game selling places. This for all the modern consoles and PC. So do it. It's a good game. Yeah. You should play it. You can draw a horse. It's true. You don't have to, but you can. And, and you should, you do, because... Put a can of beans on it. Yeah. You gotta put a can of beans on that horse. If you do... For sure. If you do draw the horse, it's... Uh, good things happen for you, so... Drawing a horse is recommended. Mm-hmm. Wait, can and... you skip drawing a horse? Yeah, it's uh, all of the... Uh, except for the first one, I think, all of the spy missions are... Uh, are optional. So, you don't actually have to draw the horse. Huh. But you don't get Ooh. any of you don't get any of the like recurring references to your horse drawing if you don't draw the horse. Well, yeah, that's reason enough to just draw the horse. Yes, and also you get <laughs> you'll get a bonus for fighting the uh the opponent club for doing the the spy mission. So, that's another good reason, but That's true. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. <sighs> Carl, do you have anything to say for yourself? I'm sorry. No, not that. We um, I was gonna yeah. say we can't we can't take that. That's Drawfee's catchphrase. So Oh, I guess that's true. Um What what's going on? Carl, you got anything to plug? No. Do I have okay. to? No. No. Uh I mean <laughs> no. we we wanna Don't leave you space. We wanna leave you space to provide updates on the game you're working on. Uh if necessary, but if there's no updates, that's cool too. Dude, I'm still not sure if we're on Gamescom. And oh Gamescom boy. is over. <laughs> oh huh. no! Man, I guess sometimes it just do be like that. Yep. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, well, confident you... right now we're not on Gamescom. <laughs> Darn. Yeah. yeah, so stay tuned for future updates about Carl's game. Yeah. Uh, You'll hear and... it here first, unless you don't. Yeah, and we'll we'll see y'all in like a month uh, to talk about astronaut colon the best. Uh, yeah, so get get that played before next time. Yep. Th and, thanks for uh, joining us. We'll see you in a while. Hopefully, everybody has a nice month. <laughs> Thank you for listening, yep. and bye bye. Bye bye. -bye.